Hi guys, this is Fatu with Good To Know. I'm back again with another episode. And this time it is part two of my Millennial Finance 101 series with my very special guest, Tracy, who is sitting right next to me. Tracy, hello, we're back. Hey guys, thanks for having me back, Fatu, um, for part two of the series. I wanted to start quickly with a disclaimer that these are my opinions, these are my thoughts. I'm not paid professionally to do this. I'm not your personal advisor, but I'm happy to share opinions and I hope you find it helpful. But if it doesn't work out, please don't sue for two. Please don't. Like I can't that. afford it. Yeah. Please. It's not in our budget. Um, <laughs> the, the second thing is following up um, on the podcast last time, just kind of about general financial management. I thought I would share two book recommendations and these are both really dated books. So they're kind of your dad's books, but I think they're great and I think they're still timely. The first is The Total Money Makeover. The second is The Millionaire Next Door. So if you've got a free minute and you want to read the cliff notes, I think that those are a great way to get started and, and with your budgeting and your planning, but also to see the big picture and where you could end up. Um, and then finally, there were some questions around more detailed budgeting. And one tool that I have not personally used, but one of the sources that I follow and trust highly recommends is, is a website and an app called Personal Capital that is great for building your budget, tracking your budget, monitoring your spending and everything like that. So it's a free app. It's got a premium service, but it's something if you're interested in just like Excel doesn't work for me. I don't know where to start. That may be a quick place to go. So that was my general setup. Okay. I'm going to have to download that and check it out. But okay. So we're going to start with the first question, which is kind of a compilation of a bunch of questions, but it's how to save. How, how do I start saving, Tracy? <laughs> well, I guess the I would say save early and save often. Um, the number one thing to do to start saving is to set aside money periodically and automatically. They kind of call it robo-savings. So set up some method that the money ideally doesn't even go into your checking account. Even if that means you need to set up a separate account, don't give you access to it from your debit card. Put it directly in 401k or put it directly in savings so you don't see it. Um, and that's the best way to do it is set aside a set percent or a set dollar amount for every paycheck. Yeah, and I'll be kind of candid about what I do. So I automatically take out um, $100 each paycheck to go to like my personal general emergency savings. And then I also take out $50 each, so $100 total for like a slush fund for fun stuff and then $50 for travel. So total that's like $400 a month and I have like 8% taken out of my 401k. And that's what I do personally. I mean, you can kind of balance that for your budget and how much you're trying to save and what you're saving for, but that's personally what I do. That's excellent because the, the key is if the money comes to you and then you have to let go of it again, it's a lot harder yeah. than if the money just goes there automatically and you get what's left over to budget. Yeah, because I know if I just had the money coming to me and I had to put it in my savings myself, I would make so many excuses on where I should be using the money. So when it automatically goes, I don't even notice it's gone. Excellent. So next question, where should my money be and how should it be invested? So this is a really a big question. Um, I'll say that where should your money be? Well, it depends on what you're using it for. 
Um, I and a whole lot of folks out there recommend having at least three to six months of expenses in ready access. So that first, and, and Fatou, I think you just referred to it as your emergency money, right? That first emergency fund should be readily available either in a checking, a savings, or a money market account. Um, and also short-term savings goals. If you're saving for a big vacation, you're saving for a car, you're saving for a down payment on a house, that money should also be ready, readily available in a, a bank with our credit union, money market, CDs. It should not be in the stock market. Um, now what is for, a money market? What is a CD? <laughs> so a CD is basically an, an, an investment you make with a bank or a credit union for a set period of time. It's going to be um, a higher interest rate than you earn on your checking your savings, but it's going to have a set time period that you can't access the money. And so if you do need it before then, you're going to pay a penalty to get that money back. So you could get a six-month CD, a 12-month CD, a two-year CD, just depending on what your goals are. So it's a way to get a little bit more money, a little bit more return on your money than just a regular savings account by giving the bank the access to that money that you're not going to take it back during that time frame. Okay. And then a money market would be just something you would buy in the stock market and it would be a compilation of little parts of a whole lot of companies out there. And it, that's actually a great question and probably one of the best explainers of that I've heard of is Dave Ramsey and the Total Money Makeover, which is the book that I talked about at the beginning, I think would be a great way to give you a little bit more, kind of break it down into very bite-sized pieces. Um, so good questions. Um, for your long-term goals, so kind of your five to 10 plus, you're saving for retirement, you're investing really for, for your future life, um, that would typically be into the stock market. It's going to be an allocation of stocks and bonds. Um, and depending on when you need that money, do you need that money in 10 years or do you need that money in 40 years or where in between, that would help to determine where you're going to allocate it. Um, typical allocations we most everyone has some amount of money in the total market an S&P like an S&P 500 fund an index fund um, there are bond funds that are more conservative that are more lower returns but lower risk um, some of your mid risk some of your mid risk items would be international funds small cap funds emerging and growth market funds would be more risky. And so you typically kind of have an allocation across those elements. And depending on where you are in savings and where you are from risk tolerance, you would pick your allocation. And you can change them anytime. Okay, I have a question about that. So what should a young whippersnapper like myself do for investing? So let's say like I got like $2,000 in savings, I got like a little 401k and I'm ready to start investing, but I don't know where to start. Like I have no idea what to do. How would I start investing? Got it. So how you, would you start getting the money invested or how would you, where would you put it? Both. Got it. Okay. So how would you start investing it? So you've already started investing yours in an awesome way through your 401k. Um, and so your employer is actually making it really easy. They're pulling it right out of their paycheck. But when you signed up for your 401k, they took your money out for you, right? You had to tell them where to put it. Um, and for you, as a young whippersnapper just starting, I would put a good chunk of it in the S&P S&P 500 fund. You've got a broad array of the top 500 companies in the market. You're going to have pretty low expense rate because it's a common fund. I would put a good bit there. Maybe I would put 60% there, 50 to 60% at your age. Um, you would put more, if I'm you, I'm going to be a little bit more aggressive and say, I'm going to jump into some growth stocks. I'm Ooh. going to ju jump into some international funds. 
because I've got a long horizon on when I need that money. And then you would have probably the smallest amount in your bond funds, whereas me, who's more on the back end of my career, would have more, I would start moving more towards the bond funds, which don't pay as much. I don't have the same growth, but I also don't have the same risk. So you're going to see more fluctuation in your portfolio than I am, but that's okay because you don't need your money as soon as I need my money. That, that's true. And there's also an app called Acorns where it takes, I think, like a small amount of money where you can say how much money you want, but like it takes it out of your account and invests it. So that's one way to do some small investments if you want to start small. And there's also an app called Robinhood where you can start investing there and buy stocks and things like that. So check out Robinhood and also check out Acorns if you want to start there and get these S&P index funds as Tracy is talking about. So next question. Oh, and I want to add one more thing too, and we may get to it in a minute, but um, where you are going to be investing, what I, what I never said was any individual stock. That, that's true too, because individual stocks are on both of those apps. So individual stocks, from my perspective, are risky. It's one company. That's true. It's not a compilation of a number of companies and a number of investments. So I think that those are personally very risky. I will, in full transparency, I, I own some of one individual stock. It's the company I work for. And it's because they actually give me some stock through my 401k match. Um, but that's typically a, kind of a riskier thing. Your your neighbor, your brother-in-law, your guy at the gym is going to say, oh, I made a million on Google because I got in at the right time, or I made a million on Apple because I got there. But those are the exception rather than the rule. And so while it's fun to have one stock and track it, I think if you're really more committed, it's more of an of an index type fund is a good way to go. Okay, so you hear that, guys? Maybe don't jump to invest in Google or Amazon or right now. Think about doing an index fund. Okay, so next question. What percent of my salary should go to 401k? Okay, so that's a great question. And I've actually kind of expanded the question a little bit in my mind to what percent of my salary should I be saving? Like, where should I be investing for retirement? Um, because some folks may have a 403B, they may be using a Roth, they may be using other um, other tools. I would say the the answer is, and you guys are going to, you may fall out of your chair, is that you should target a savings of 15% of your income. Ooh. And if you do that, you're going to have so many options down the road that you can't even, you can't even dream of it. Um, and my thinking is if you start saving all that money and you don't like it, you can always go back and spend it. Whereas if you start spending it and you decide that's not right, you can't really go back and resave it. Yeah. Well, um, that's a lot of money. Tracy. So I think that, you know, you're working up to it, right? You, you told me you're already at 8%, okay, which is I'm awesome. At 8%, yeah. I started at 3, then I went to 5, then I went to 6, and now I'm at 8. So it was a slow trip. I didn't just jump in and say, I'm just going to start taking all this money out of my paycheck. It was gradual. And that's awesome. And, you know, a lot of folks that really, you know, we talked a little bit about last time about lifestyle inflation. Every time you get a raise, you could actually bump that up a little bit. You're not going to see it because it's new money. Um, so I think that's great. Um, the As far as where should you save it, um, the primary tool for those that have access would be an employer-sponsored plan like a 401k. Um, and I would always put the minimum you need to put in there to receive the full match if your employer offers that. Um, most of the guys, if most of you guys that are early in your career, if you're below a certain income level, you have access to a Roth IRA as well. Um, and so you can actually participate in both at the same time. I would just be careful to first make sure you're taking advantage of all the tax, I'm sorry, taking advantage of all the match you're getting from your employer plan first. Um, and a, a quick, we had a couple of questions you had shared with me in advance around a, a 401k versus a Roth. And there is a, there's, a, there's a very big difference. They're both retirement vehicles, 
but the Roth IRA, you save the taxes on that money right now. So if you earn a dollar, and typically your taxes are going to be, depending on where you live, at maybe 30 cents, so you may only come home with 70 cents. Well, with the 401k, you're going to get that full dollar now and get to start investing it. Okay, so you don't pay taxes on it today. Um, you'll pay your taxes on it when you take it out of your investment account in 40 years or 50 years. With the Roth IRA, you're actually putting in after-tax money. So you're actually taking that 70 cents and you're investing that 70 cents. But in 40 years when you take it out, you're not having to pay taxes on all that growth it's had over the time. So they both have tax preference, but it's very different. Um, and either one will be a great tool. But again, typically I lean towards a 401k first just because there's usually some 401k match in it. And it's also a super easy way to make it more automated. Okay, so a young person who, let's say, just graduated college, just got a job, they have a 401k through their job, so should they think about an IRA or should that be something they think about more down the line? I would focus on maxing out that 401k and getting as much in there. That's me. Um, different folks have different opinions, but that's my opinion. It's super easy. It's in one place. You can kind of see it grow faster. Um, and so that's, that's my preference. Okay, that's fair. So what are your tips in investing in stocks? Well, I have a comment before I say that. I don't know what Tracy thinks, but I personally would like to say, this is my personal opinion, I wouldn't start investing in stocks if you have any debt. Like if you have debt, you need to like pay off like your credit card debt or whatever first, and then maybe jump into investing because I wouldn't start investing in things and start doing risky things if you don't even have like your debt paid off. So I just want to say that. I don't know what Tracy thinks, but... Oh, that's that's a that's a great question, and so that and that's a that's a great great tip. It's a fine balance because because I know a number of the guys that are probably listening have student loans. That's true too. And I got student loans. I think there's a fine balance between yeah, you want to you want to address those student loans and you want to get them taken care of, but you're also young in your career, and I think it's important to try to balance out doing some investing through yeah. your 401k. So I think it's a fine balance, and I'm always a fan of of saving early, but also trying to tackle the debt as quickly as you can. So. I would have an aggressive savings slash debt payoff plan um, to address that. As far as investing in the stocks, we talked a little bit about it on the prior question, but 401k is a great easy avenue. You've referenced Acorn um, and Robinhood. Uh, the other thing I'll say, you know, Vanguard is a it's a huge company. It's been around forever, but they've always been known for low fees. Um, a number of the other large brokerage houses that you're kind of or your dad's or your granddad's investment company, the Charles Schwab, the Merrill Lynch, those guys are all starting to come up with things similar to Acorn with apps that are more user friendly. They're great to let the, the young investor get started. So just do a little bit of looking on the internet um, because you'll be surprised. They've, they've actually made it a lot easier and a lot more approachable than it was even 20 years ago. Okay, so next one. How should I utilize my own HSA? And that's honestly how this all got started because when I started my mentorship with Tracy, I knew she was in finance, so I knew she would be able to probably help me out. And I had this big medical bill and I wasn't sure how I was going to be able to pay it. And then Tracy let me know like, hey, you have an HSA and there's probably money in there. You need to just use your HSA and use a debit card they gave you through your HSA to pay it off. And lo and behold, I had money in there and I was able to pay off my medical bills and now I use it for like co-pays and things like that. So thank you, Tracy. You're welcome. So an HSA, for those that don't know, is a health savings account. It's another um, tax preferred savings vehicle. 
uh, the unique nature is it's actually specifically designed to savings to cover medical expenses. So uh, it's got to be a sponsored plan. So typically that, like your 401k or 403b, would be through your employer. But it allows you to set a specific amount out of each paycheck into an account in your name that you control. Uh, and then you can use that account for what they would consider qualified expenses. So in your example, it could be for co-pays. It could be for prescription medication. It could be for glasses or contacts or eye exams. And um, the beauty of that is it's, it's basically a tax vehicle that the government and the taxing authorities are saying, you've got these medical and healthcare expenses. We're not going to charge you taxes on that money. So your money goes further. So the, the dollar you earn is really a dollar when you're spending it on those tools. And one thing that's actually really nice about that as well, the same as your 401k, is that if and when you do change employers, that money comes with you. So I'm a huge fan of HSAs, um, the health savings account. I'll give a little blurb if anybody has this. Some of you guys may have um, an FSA, a flexible spending account. Those are good and they're tax deferred, but you got they're really tricky. And if you don't use all the money in one year, you could lose it. So Ooh. so be careful with the FSA, but the HSA is awesome and it's a great tool. So, so well, last question. So what should somebody do if their employer doesn't have an HSA? If you don't have an HSA, unfortunately, right now, there's not an option for an open an open market on that. Um, you can get on benefits with someone who does because it can actually cover someone in your family. So, for example, my husband's on, on my HSA, which is great, and I can set aside money on behalf of both of us in it. But if you don't have access, you don't have access. Well, dang. But thank you, Tracy. You still gave us a wealth of knowledge today. And this one's a little bit longer than the last one, but I, trust me, it's good information. So if you're interested in investing, just download those apps and also think about where you want your money to go. And like Tracy said, maybe stay away from those individual stocks because they are kind of risky. And just think about maybe doing an index fund. Anything else you want to add before we go, Tracy? No, that's all. Thanks for your time today. Okay, great. Thanks. Lana signing off. Thanks for listening to Good to Know, and we'll see you again soon. Bye.